Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Yeah, Matt? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess since Bert can't figure out the computer, we'll do this. Oh, yeah. Blame me. Okay. Uh-huh. All I know is two out of three of our computers worked. Computers are hard. For fans, by fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. Today on the show, the Orioles have some tough decisions to make that will define their future. We will put on our GM hats, or our GM hair, if you will, and tell you what the Orioles should do. Also, we will discuss the emergence of a couple of should-be, emphasis on should-be, all-stars. All that and more on this edition of Section 336. Section 336. Section 336. Section 336. It's the new Baltimore generation talking about the Orioles and the Ravens. And someday Josh Burt and Matt might even find time to talk about the blasts. This is the world. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I am your endearing setting host, Matt Soroka. As always, I'm joined by the Zany Burt Rode. The next generation coming from sunny Florida. And the button lover, Josh Soroka. And using the oldest te- the technology of the old generation to record this. Thanks to uh, yeah, we're actually, crappy internet. Yeah, we're actually re- recording this via fax machines, so it's really, <laughs> right. it's really challenging. Right. It's only because no, the sign language didn't work, but I'm up in New Jersey. Yeah, so we're all spread out throughout the East Coast. Josh in New Jersey. I'm holding down in Queenstown, Maryland. I'm holding down the home fort, and Bert's coming to us uh, from, from Florida, of course, where he spent this summer hanging out with Mickey Mouse. Uh, so we're doing this old school telephone call style. Was that Mickey Mouse on the line? Oh, ha ha ha, ha All right, boys. So let's let's jump right into it. All right, the this is kind of a crucial time for the Orioles, a crucial time for their future. And there's a lot of talk on the Twitters, and even in, in if you meet Oriole fans in person and just on blogs about should the Orioles be buyers or should the Orioles be sellers. Currently, the Orioles stand at 500th, a couple games back in the wild card, about four games back. I think it's four games back in the, in the division standings. Uh, 
Do you guys think at this point a month away, about a month away from the trade deadline, a little over a month, at this point do you guys think the Orioles should be buyers and kind of push their chips all in, or should the Orioles be sellers at this point? Uh, we'll start with you, Bert. What, what, do you, what do you think? I think they've proven at this point that they cannot compete with the quality of the other teams in the American League this year. Um, thinking back to sweeps from the Kansas City Royals, from the Minnesota Twins, from the Houston Astros. Um, they have no reason. Chicago White Sox. Yeah, exactly. They, they can't beat these teams. Um, they should definitely be sellers. They should not be buyers. What are they going to acquire that's going to put them in the realm of the Minnesota Twins? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. How, how, how about you, Josh? Buyers, so Bert says sellers. Uh, are you on? Are you on board with that? You know, it's a it's a it's a tough call now that they played so well for a month and then so bad for a month. And it reminds me, but the way the baseball season, the way the schedule looks right now, it reminds me a lot of the 2012 Orioles, where they weren't a perfect team. All the other teams in the division were playing poorly, and it gave them a window. And I feel like we all know this window shuts after next year. And I'm not ready for it to close early, so I'm going to say let's let's still go for it. Let's do something and and try to just get in. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the good news is Oros don't need to make a, a decision now. Like to decide, no one has decided to be a buyer seller. Even I think Dan Duquette, though he made some quotes that would tend to think that he's optimistic about this season, he has not fully decided to be a buyer seller. Like if they go out and lose ten of the next twelve games that's going to make an impact and they'll be more likely to sell if they win 10 out of the next 12 games. They've just won three in a row. So with every win, they become more likely to be buyers. Um, but there's some does, interesting does, things to look at. I, yeah, go, go, does Dan go, Duquette, go ahead. Josh. Does Dan Duquette have a reason to sell? He's out of here after next year. Why would he care to sell? Yeah, I mean, and this is the mindset of any GM, right? Like the GM who's the GM now is not concerned about what happens in 2022, right? The, any GM whose current job is to be the GM now is to make, make himself look good by winning now or maybe winning next year. But it doesn't make sense for him to sell to win for his replacement to be successful. No, like Dan Duquette, he wants to win now. And I think Buck Showalter is in a similar situation where they want to win now as well. Yeah, but, but if uh, Dan Duquette wants to have a job for some other team after the Orioles, what incentive does that team have to hire him if they can see that he'd basically mortgage the, the franchise future knowing he wasn't going to be around to, uh, to see it to fruition or, or care that it goes down the toilet? Do you think they would want to make someone their GM who could potentially do that to their own franchise? Like, I think he's still got an incentive not to send the team down the toilet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean fair enough. Yeah, if he makes all these deals and it doesn't work out in order to don't win... Like he's yeah, that's not a it's not a good look for him, and and it's not like I'm thinking about the Cubs last year when they traded for Aradis Chapman. The Cubs already had the best record in baseball. Aradis Chapman was a thing because that was a World Series move. What can help us win the World Series? Likewise, this year, if you look at a team like the Nationals, they're gonna they're gonna trade for a closer. They'll probably trade for two bullpen arms, and that's a move to get into the World Series and win the World Series because they're already making the playoffs. If the right, Orioles right. make any moves, it's not to win the World Series. The Orioles are going to make a move to help them just get into the playoffs. 
I think a couple important right. things to look at here are not just that they're two games out of the, the wildcard standing, but there's a whole bunch of teams in between them and, 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 and the leader of the wildcard. Like, they would have to jump, like, four teams. So it's not just that there's two games out. You also have to look at how many other teams are, are above them in the standings. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, if you look at our expected win total, our expected win total should be, we should be like 13 games under 500 if you look at the run difference and all that stuff. So there's a lot of writing on the wall that says this isn't a very good ball club. But if you're going to make a move, it's not about the wild card. It's about that four games behind the division and thinking you can get that divisional yeah. title. Right. Oh, yeah. Get, they've, they've, shown, they've shown over the past few years where they've given away top prospects just to get their foot in the door in the playoffs, but they're still not good enough to make a World Series run, you know, save for the 2014 season. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the pitchers that are, quote-unquote, uh, hot fire right now that used to be in Bowie um, are playing for other major league teams right now are the reason, you know, why we are where we are right now with our starting rotation. And, uh, you know, the, they would have to make some kind of blockbuster move if they're truly going to be buyers, it would have to be a big move that puts them back in the AL East contention, not just to put their foot in the door for a wild card spot. We've seen how far that gets us. Yeah. And, 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 and any franchise, the wild card's always like fallback plan B. You, 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 you play for the division, and if something happens and you don't get it, you hope to fall back into a wild, a wild card spot. But, yeah, you play to win right. the division. And, and what the Orioles need to add to win the division Will, because at this point, based on our minor league prospects, the best you can hope to do in the trade deadline, we need to start in pitching. We have the second worst starter ERA in baseball. At, uh, uh, so what you need to do to, to, to win the division is get better at the starting position, a certain pitcher. And the best you can do with our minor league prospects is hope to get like a number three or number four guy in our rotation. And so you have to ask yourself, would a number three or four guy Help us win the division, and you could say you could argue that maybe yes, if Kevin Gossman continues to pitch better, um, if Tillman gets over this injury and starts to pitch better, um, you could argue that a, a number three starter to replace Jimenez could help us win that division. But I think that's a bit of a tough sell, right? Like, do, do you guys think is is that what we're missing? Like a number three starter? Is that what's going to take? Because that's all we really can afford in, in the in the trade deadline, if we're buyers, that's all we're buying is the middle of the rotation yeah. starter. It's going to take more than that, and it's not going to happen, in my opinion. I mean, have you guys even done a show since we tied this 90-some-year-old record of runs given up? Um, I mean, that's, that's 20 games of five runs or more by a starting rotation of five pitchers who each got four tries. Each of those five pitchers got four tries, or and not even just the starters. The bullpens are plenty to blame, too, but – but uh, how many t times do these guys get a shot to not give up more than five runs? And everybody had their turn multiple times, and they still couldn't do it against subpar teams, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, it, going back to it, it's, it's going to take more than a number three starter, and it's not worth it. You know, we're already a struggling farm system. If anything, we should be rebuilding the farm system. Yeah. But on the other hand, Bert, I could argue that we went through that rough stretch, which was embarrassingly bad, and our starters ERA is, get this, for the year, our starters ERA is 5.70. We're giving almost, wow. almost six runs of the game as starters. Um, but we went through that rough patch. We've survived it. And now we're sitting at 500. 
having gone through all of that, I, I, I can't imagine that our starters by, will by continue the, to be that bad, right? Like know, history that, shows that our starters will not be that bad. That's only that, that's a record that's ninety some years old that no other uh, pitching staff has been that bad in ninety years. That's crazy. We didn't beat it, but we just tied it. Still, <laughs> um, but this is only by the grace of the Red Sox and Yankees struggling around the same time that we were struggling. You know, any other division up and down here, we are at the bottom of the toilet bowl. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that a, a lot of people aren't talking about, I'll let you ch- 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 chime in on this in a second, Josh, but the Orioles are ranked second to last in starting year A. But something that's interesting is run scored. This should be our strength. We knew our starting pitching would be bad. We're supposed to make it up with our offense. Run scored. We're mm-hmm. ranked 19th in baseball run scored. So not only, yeah. I mean, up until recently we haven't scored runs, but not only has the starting pitching been bad, but guys who we've counted on, guys like Trumbo, Davis, of course, has been out, but our offense has not lived up to what it has been in the past as well. All right. Josh, thoughts? Yeah, and I think that's what made those 20 games so interesting is it wasn't always horrible pitching. It was the defense would fall apart at times where Jonathan Scope could not stop a ball. And we'd have weird – it was just a weird stretch of bad luck that you've got to think. We've been through bad luck stretches. The Yankees just had lost seven or eight games in a row. It's what makes baseball great is that it's so long, and you've got to think it cannot get bad as bad as those 20 games went. Okay. So let me ask this. I'm going to ask the, the opposite question to each of you. First, Bert, you said the Orioles okay. could be sellers. Is there anything the Orioles could do in the next month of baseball to, to change your mind that they should be buyers instead of sellers? Or have you made up your mind they're, this is, they're not good enough, they should be sellers? Um, I would like to see the entire team healthy, you know, which is a lot to ask for, obviously. It's like a, a pipe dream. But, you know, you get Chris Davis right. back and playing healthy at his uh, top ability. And we're, we're right around the corner from Britain being back. Not that it matters because yep. you can't close a game that you're losing 10-6. to 6, But still, it'd be good to have him back. It might be a, a kick in the butt that the, the, the rest of the team needs as far as a morale thing, you know, to have one of their best guys back. Um, and it makes the bullpen a lot better because Brock can pitch in any situation. He's not tied down to the ninth inning because that's Britain's job. And so now your whole bullpen becomes a little bit better. So I think it's a big addition. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I see the team at full health and, you know, and playing well on the road, that's the biggest thing. They're 10 games under 500 on the road right now. Um, they've, they played well in Tampa. They're off to a good We've start here in Toronto. We've just won three games in a row on the road. I know. Well, I mean, thank goodness, because otherwise we'd be 13 games below 500 on the road as opposed to 10. So we got to even <laughs> we got to even that up a little bit, even up that road record a little bit, have everyone healthy, you know, uh, maybe be uh, continued seven and three, six and four, uh, eight and two uh, over 10 game stretches. You know, maybe then you get my attention a little bit more. But um, but for now, I you know, it's uh, it's not looking good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you, Josh, is there something? And I, when I say sell, I mean shop Zach Britton, shop Manny Machado, like shop these core pieces. Is there anything that could happen in the next month that could change your mind, Josh, and say, no, the Orioles should kind of start fresh and sell all these big pieces? 
Yeah, the, the, a month out is a long time. What I'm looking at now is the next 12 games. There's 12 games before, between now and the All-Star game. And that team, they got to not just play 500 ball. They got to win at least eight out of those 12 games and really play. Or, again, you're sitting here under 500 knowing, well, we could get some good money for Zach Britton. We could get something from Manny Machado. I think it's a mistake to trade Manny Machado, but you've got to think about that if you hit the all-star break and you're still and you're a few games under 500. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I have a hard time. Like, I, you couldn't make an argument to me and convince me to sell Seth Smith and Castillo um, and to sell Kim and maybe even to sell a Britton or a Brock. But when you start selling Manny Machado, ooh, that makes you nervous because I think this team, even if you say we're not going to win in 2017, I think with most of the core pieces coming back, a couple additions, we can definitely win in 2018. And so when you start selling Manny Machado and all those pieces, you're saying not just this year but next year, you're kind of throwing in the towel. And I'm not ready to do that. I kind of look at this team as yeah. compared to like a Tommy John type surgery where you have a, you have a sore shoulder and you're, you're pushing through, you're putting off the surgery – and you're hoping that you can just make it through with the sore shoulder. Because if you get the surgery, it means you're out for a year. In the Orioles case, it means you're out of contention for like five or six years. And when you come back, you don't know if you're going to come back as good as you were like right now. So I'd rather, even if there's just, I don't know, even if there's just a 10% chance to make the playoffs this year, I'd rather go after that 10% chance than blow it all up and just start new. I'm with you, Matt. I, um, I have this fear in the back of my head because we all lived through 14 consecutive losing seasons. And, you know, if there was a way to guarantee, hey, if we trade Machado, if we trade Britain, we're going to rebuild next year. We're going to rebuild the year after that. But we'll be back by the third year. Like, there's no guarantee of that. And it just makes me so nervous that even if they were just to hang on to those guys, it would at least guarantee two more years of competitive baseball um, in Baltimore, um, whereas if you trade them away, it's really just you know crossing your fingers and hoping for the best, knowing that the potential is there with under this ownership and, and organization that they could go you know five plus ten plus seasons of inept baseball, and I don't I don't ever want that to happen again. Yep, I mean they've showed no skill or talent to draft or develop talent whatsoever. And when you're rebuilding, it's all about drafting and developing development talent. And so if you can't do Pretty that, much. Oh, oh, that could be that could be very difficult. So this is a window that I I mean it's it's really the, the Orioles and Daniel Cat are going to be in a really tough position if they continue to struggle um, to to sell. And what pieces do you sell? And do you blow it all up or just kind of blow it up and retool for next year? Um, it's going to be some tough decisions. Yeah, I was watching the MLB Network and the guy on there kind of gave some options for the Orioles. And one thing that he presented for Manny Machado was the option of trading Manny Machado to the Houston Astros who could afford to give us a pitcher that would fit into our rotation immediately. A, uh, and then it was like another starting pitcher, like high prospect, a third baseman that could come in and fill in right away, and one other guy. And then when you see something like that that makes your team younger – and maybe it can stretch that window. It makes you wonder if maybe taking that Manny Machado, the skills of an amazing guy at third base, and taking that and spreading it into 
really good guys at five positions that are younger, it has a little bit of appeal of maybe that maybe if we can't win in the next two years, that's the move you got to decide this summer. Yeah, I, and I, I saw that. Deal and I, yeah, go, I saw go that ahead, too, sir. and it appealed to me as an Oriole fan for sure. But what crossed my mind is like who. Who says the Houston Astros are willing to give all that up for a year and a half of Manny Machado when they're already going to win the American League and they're probably going to win the World Series right now, 52-26? and 26. Um, The Houston Astros are unstoppable even without Manny Machado. Why would they trade all, those, all that talent away for a guy who's already just going to complete the inevitable? Oh, I, I think that's the perfect team to trade for a Manny Machado because – I mean, I don't, I don't know. I gotta look this up. When was the last time the Houston? When was the last time that they were in the World Series? I mean, th- this is a franchise that's starving to, to for a World Series, and this is their kind of one opportunity. So this is when, if you're the Astros, you push all your chips in, and you say, just sure. having the best record in baseball is not good enough. I want to push all my chips in. And so, yeah. from that standpoint, I think it's going to take a team like Houston, who feels like they're already there, and Manny Machado just kind of seals the deal for them. Um, as opposed right, to a team like who feels like they're, yeah, yeah, like the Cubs or like the Nationals looking for that. You, often it's a closer, a bullpen guy or a starting pitcher, but it can be a position player too that you feel, well, okay, this guarantees us kind of that trip to the World Series. Yeah. But I the thing I liked about uh, that trade, Josh, and you're right, that those guys listed there were all, or for the most part, most of them were close to, if not already in the majors. And so that appeals yeah. to me. I, I don't want a bunch of single-A, double-A guys who we have to develop because I don't trust our guys to develop them. Give me a couple guys in triple-A or a couple guys who have major league experience but are young. That, the, those are the type of guys I want. Right. If, if we're selling this team off, I do not want to rebuild. I want to restructure. I want to take this year-and-a-half window now, and I want to make the moves to keep this window open for five years. I want to – Keep the window open as long as possible. I don't. I am so afraid of that 14-year window. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm with you. Um, and like, here's a. I'm gonna throw a couple of names out at you. Here's here's one name I want to throw out at you. Uh, Parker Bridwell. Here's a guy. Yep. You guys know the name Parker Bridwell. Oh yeah, yeah. Pitcher. Pitcher in our organization since 2010. Right. We drafted him out of high school. In our, in our organization forever, he made uh, – in 2016, he made two appearances with the Orioles, uh, but for the most part, just a minor league guy. Um, spent 2017 um, pitching at, at, at Norfolk. Uh, just – he had a couple starts at Norfolk. Then we sold him off, but a career, 25 years old, spent seven years in our minor league system, only making two appearances for the major league club. He's, he's traded – uh, I don't know if trade is the right word. Uh, he, 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 we, I think the Angels gave us a couple bats and a ball, and he yeah. went to the to the Los Angeles Angels, where he started. Um, he's played in four games there, has a has a two and zero record, has an ERA of two point nine five, and the Angels have found another starter for their starting rotation. There is not a major league ball club more desperate for starting pitching, and ERA a team ERA of starting pitchers at five point seven zero. We are as desperate as they come for starting pitching. So how does it happen? How is this even in the world at all possible that we get rid of a guy just for some cash and he immediately goes into the team and is a successful starter for that team? How that happens boggles my mind. It really makes you question 
the scouting and development that the Orioles are doing, and it makes you question the whole everything. minor league system. Well, yeah, it's everything. not the only stuff like that. It's like the amazing year that Trey Mancini is having. And the fact that no one saw that coming, so we dumped all of this money into Chris Davis, where we would have been fine using that money elsewhere, it really makes you wonder what's going on in those minor league clubhouses. Yeah, that, if you're watching the success of Trey Mancini, you cannot help but think about that this team does not really miss a beat with Davis going down and Trey Mancini filling at first base. But Trey Mancini's making no. about a tenth of what Chris Davis is making. I was talking to someone yesterday at this camp I'm at, and I'm telling them all I'm trying to do is figure out mentally how the Orioles can trade Chris Davis and what team would want Chris Davis. I don't don't know if it's impossible because I think he is playing well enough for his contract, but it's a lot of money that the Orioles did not have to make that investment, but there's no way they saw Trey Mancini coming in their own organization. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, and it's, and it's crazy, and it doesn't make sense. And, 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 and so now you wonder, like, how many players do we have at Bowie or at AAA who could be good major leaguers, but A, will not, never get the opportunity, um, or B, uh, will, will get traded away and, and become stars for other teams. And, and think about all the guys that we got for cash, guys like Enoa, guys like Vidal Nuno, Guys like uh, who, Alec Asher, um, and all those guys have turned out to be bums. We do the same thing <laughs> with the Angels, and the guy turns out to be a stud. And, and it's a small sample size, I know, but four appearances. But still, I would take four appearances from uh, Vidal Nuno that, that are like that. Uh, it's just it's so frustrating, and I don't know how it happens. All right. Uh, I'm going to throw out a couple other names to you there. All right, boys? A couple other names. Ready? Okay. Um, an interesting name that you guys might know. This is not directly tied to the Orioles, but uh, I bring it up for a reason. Kyle Schwarber. Are you aware of this player? Yeah, he's the coach. Yes. They just sent him down, didn't they? Yeah. Here's a guy who was kind of the World Series hero when they called him up, I think, in June last year. His absolute stud. He's having a tough year, yet they sent him down. And, and I bring him up because, and I know Gossman just had a good start yesterday, and by good, well, he threw five innings, and that's, that's considered good now, yeah. but whatever. Um, he, uh, he has an ERA well over six. I'm talking about Kevin Gossman. Um, but there's been very little talk about sending Gossman down. Schwarber, I think, is a great example of a guy who came up, was a star, absolute star for the Cubs, but has struggled, and so he's demoted back to AAA. All I'm saying is Kevin Gossman, if he continues to struggle, and, and I know he's had a couple of decent games, but if he continues to struggle, the Orioles, you can send him down. Like, you can send him down. He has options. It's not – I don't care if he's supposed to be a star. You can send him down to, to, to the minors. The Cubs did it with Schwarber. I think Gossman, if he continues to struggle, the Orioles should send him down to AAA. That's an okay thing to do. It's not the end of the world. He has options. He can go there and figure things out. Sure. But, but Why? You're comparing, you're comparing a guy who they sent down to get some bats and to let him try to start swinging and finding the ball again to a pitcher who is sending Gosman down really going to give him any different development than what he's doing up here at the majors. And you're also talking about would, a, sending a pitcher down and opening up a hole that we don't have right now. How do you feel that? 
I would say that uh, Gaussman could go down and work on some things because if he pitches terribly at the triple-A club or double-A club, it has no effect on the major league team. We could still win a game where, uh, you know, he can work on some stuff that would otherwise cost the Orioles a game if he's working on stuff at the major league level. You know, let him figure out what's going on on the minor league level where it doesn't matter, win or loss. Um, and, I mean, aside from his five scoreless innings on uh, Monday or Tuesday, whenever that was, um, you know, I can't imagine anybody else filling in the slot being any worse than he is other than an Alec Asher. <laughs> That's who you'd have. You'd have yeah. Alec Asher. Well, then what's the difference? Yeah. Because Alec Asher and Kevin Gaultman have been virtually the same person for the last two months. Yeah, and that's and, and, and that's my point. It's not that this could improve the development of Kevin Gossman, which at this point I really don't give a crap. At this point, Kevin Gossman's hurting my major team, and the question is can someone uh, give up less than six runs every nine, nine innings? I would take even an ERA of five runs at this point because that would be better than Kevin Gossman. So at some point he hurts your chances to win this year, and if Kevin Gossman – forget about the development of Kevin Gossman. If he continues to hurt your chances to win this year – You've got to go with someone else. Though I agree, who is that guy is a, is a, is a fair question that I don't want to answer. We should give Steve Johnson a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the he's back in the organization. Of, yeah, he is. Um, not pitching well, though. And the lack of pitching well is not just on the Major League squad. All our prospects, all of them, pitching prospects outside of, well, I'll say this, all our starting pitchers in the minor leagues are, are bad. All of them. I mean, you, you can't find one good – even Co Cody Sedlock, who everybody was high on in, in A-ball, he's having a bad year. Every starter for the minor league system is, is bad. So it's not just a major league thing. It's, it's your minor league system too, and that's why you have guys like Obaldo Jimenez who still exist on this team. I guarantee you, if there was a good starter in AAA, Jimenez would have been gone by now. He would have been replaced by a good starter in AAA. Uh, and Gossman, too. But there's just no options, even in AAA or AA. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You're not wrong. All right. Uh, yeah. Some, some positive stuff, though. Um, I haven't been following the All-Star balance because I really don't give a crap. But are there any uh, – who do you guys think on this Orioles squad? And maybe you can fill me in if you guys have any updates on, on All-Star voting. Uh, but who should be on this squad right now for the Orioles? Who do you think deserves – uh, an all-star appearance. Trey Mancini. Josh. But he's not gonna he's yeah. not he's not gonna get it, but he's the only guy on his team playing well enough to deserve it. Um I think you're gonna see maybe Brad Brock get it to represent the Orioles, picked by a manager. No Orioles gonna get voted on. I agree. Oh I I, I think there's someone who deserves it more than Trey Trey Mancini, actually. Uh uh well I think Castillo. No. Is that where you're going? Here's a guy that everyone expected to have a bust-out year last year, but he didn't have it. Josh, you're wearing the guy's freaking shirt. I know you're wearing the guy's freaking shirt right now, so I don't know how you're wearing his shirt, yet not recognizing that he deserves to be an all-star this year. You mean the guy who can't stop a ball at second base? <laughs> but offensively, he's crushing it this year. I'm talking about my boy, or your boy, Jonathan Scope is dope. I think he's having a great offensive year. This is the offensive year we thought he was going to have last year, but didn't really. He's getting on base. He's second on the team on base percentage, only behind Trey, Trey Mancini. 
Uh, so he's worked, and, and part of the reason, by the way, his on-base percentage is so high is because he's so good at getting hit by baseballs, leans that little <laughs> left shoulder in there and gets hit by baseball. Um, but he's getting on base at a higher clip this year, um, and he's been, like, just a consistent offensive force. So if I could put one guy in the all-star team, uh, and I know he's not going to get voted in, but I would put Jonathan Scope uh, would be my Orioles all-star. And right behind him, I'm with you guys, Trey Mancini. Right. But and like the, you uh, said, no Orioles, no Orioles going to get voted in, and so it's a manager's pick, and they normally go with, it seems like, bullpen guys. And it's the uh, Cleveland Indians manager, Terry Francona, who's managing the American League All-Star team. Is that right? Because they were in the World Series last year. Is that how it works yeah. still? Yeah, yeah, that's how it yeah. works. But, but the All-Star game doesn't mean anything this year, right? Isn't that the deal? Correct. I think so. Yeah. They changed so a that meaningless rule. game became more me- me- meaningless. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's sad that we are going to be back to the days where the only reason that Orioles in the All-Star game is because they're required to have at least one representative from every team. That's sad. Bring back Ty Yeah, I mean, Yeah, I mean, it's partly because um, Zach Britton's been out all year, and it's partly because Manny Machado's having such a down year. Like, you can almost always pencil Manny Machado into the All-Star game. He just happened to have a really bad, what, May – and in the gym. And, and he's became, um, and it's a it's a popularity contest, and he has became a villain outside of Baltimore. Yeah, I think if he had better numbers, though, he'd still be in there. Sure. And I think once we extend him for the next ten years, I think we can almost guarantee he's going to be in there almost all those ten years that he's with the Orioles. Ten more years. Oh yeah, absolutely. And a Gold Glove every year, Silver Slugger. Hey, Bert. How about yeah. this scenario, all right? If I okay. told you, if the, if the Orioles didn't trade Manny Machado but held on to him, there was a 10% chance he would re-sign with the Orioles. But if you traded him away, there's a 0% chance he re-signs with the Orioles. Would you hold Obviously. on to Manny Machado for a 10% chance? No. No. Because that means there's 90% that he's not, and that's basic math. <laughs> <laughs> No, but what if um, you just hold you know, off the chance of getting one? Yeah, I don't, go ahead. I don't. I mean, that ten percent chance is too slim when you consider the teams that are going to be in that other ninety percent. Um, you know, the there there are other teams that are going to spend the money for him that are going to spend the stupid money for him that are built to contend for the next five to ten years, where um, the Orioles need to resign Manny Machado in order to contend for the next five to 10 years. Otherwise what, what look, he can look around the clubhouse and see the pieces around him and determine whether or not he's surrounded by uh, uh, players that are going to put the Orioles in the world series around him or other people with bigger paychecks offering bigger paychecks could put him in the world series sooner. Josh, say, say same question. There's a 10% chance you could sign Manny Machado. 0% chance if you trade him away. Would you keep him and hold on to them for that 10% chance? No, 10% is not enough. You've got to give me at least 50% to take that gamble. Um, oh, really? At least 50%? Unless, okay. unless, 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 I mean, you can make it a 0% chance if you can give me a, a 90% chance of them making it into the postseason. I mean, it all be, it's all about the postseason, not, not Manny Machado. And 
so I don't. I think it's stupid if they let him go. But I also see I see the organization make weird moves, like the conversation this week about the where the Orioles were in negotiations to make a trade with the Marlins for a shortstop. And yeah, the rumor like a barrier, is that whatever, it fell yeah. apart. Right, and the rumor is it fell apart because of money. And here we're talking about a shortstop who makes two point one million dollars, and that's falling apart because of money is ridiculous. And that makes me wonder if they'll spend any money on Manny Machado. But they've shown their willingness in the offseason, whether it's Giovanni Gallardo, about Jimenez, Chris Davis. Say what you will. I think all those deals were bad deals. But they were willing to spend money on all three of those deals. So, I, I mean, the evidence in the offseason shows the Orioles are, if the deal is right, willing to spend – or if Peter Angelos really likes you, the Orioles are willing to spend money in the offseason. I mean, it's not like we have right. the lowest payroll in baseball. We're up in the top ten. So I think the Orioles are willing to spend money. Yeah, but you but you said the key word that right there, which is if Peter Angelos likes you. We all know that Chris Davis got the <laughs> money, not because of Dan Duquette's work, but because of Peter Angelos decided, I want to keep Chris Davis on my team. So I don't know if he'll then decide to do the same with Manny Machado, but I question not spending $2 million to replace an injured hole uh, to help your team this year. Is it yeah. is it becoming like a, a general consensus that um, Chris Davis is going to become the Ryan Howard to uh, the Orioles like he was to the Philadelphia Phillies, basically handicapping us with a high contract, long-term contract that he can't live up to? Yeah. I think it's, it's too early to say, right? Like, we're, we're only a couple years into his contract, and he has been has some oblique issues. So I don't think, I don't think it's fair yet to call him Ryan Howard. But so far, the contract has been a huge disappointment, and and yes. he would have to play a lot better to make it worth it. I, I'm yeah. not disappointed in the contract. I think he is living up to the contract. The problem is he's living up to the contract if he plays this way for the entire contract. And we all know that the downside of that contract, the back years, that he will digress, which means to make this contract really work it, Next year is going to have to be a breakout year. One of these early years, he's going to have to overperform in order to balance things out. Oh, yeah, because yeah. that's part even, of the argument, right? Like, we know it's going to be bad at the end, so he needs to be awesome at the beginning to make up the bad at the end. Yeah. Right. But I think one of you guys, one of you guys even said it earlier. The contract speaks for itself when one of you said that nobody would take on Chris Davis in his contract in a trade. I mean, no, no team – would would be taking Chris Davis' contract right now for the player that he is. And, and you know, forgive me, but even the potential so he could be, I still don't think he lives up to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we'll certainly find out. And, again, what hurts it even more is he's in a position where you have other players who can play that position well, which is a bit mm-hmm. unfortunate for And it's not Chris Davis' fault. It's not Chris Davis' fault that the Orioles wanted to spend all that money on him. Like, it's not his fault. Um, but uh, you have to kind of live with the consequences. Well, how is it his fault? He, he signed with the team who gave him the most money. <laughs> Didn't the Orioles at one point outbid themselves for Chris Davis? <laughs> like, I think he, tur- he turned down some offers for less money until the whole somehow we outbid ourselves for it. So I'm not blaming I thought him because Tigers you got to do what you to do. Sign him too for almost what the Orioles I thought the Detroit Tigers were close to signing him for almost what the Orioles gave him. I think that you're delusional. Fake I don't news. think that happened. Fake news. Fake news. All right. Fake news. All right, fine. <laughs> hey, 
I, I wanted to mention a couple other things before we got out of here. Um, this is not baseball related at all, but Mello Trimble, uh, Maryland star, Maryland point guard, was not drafted, unfortunately, was not drafted in, in the recent NBA draft, but he did sign with the Philadelphia 76ers, so I've now become a Philadelphia 76ers fan. So good for Mello nice. Trimble making an NBA team. Well, that's an interesting sign-in because the Sixers are one of the few teams that actually have like a developmental team so that he can work his way up. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and they have like their whole team is made up of, of players under 23 because they always draft with the number one pick or number two pick. So they got a bunch of young studs. Uh, so they're going to be a fun team to watch this year. And so I'm going to try to tune into some 76ers games this year. I don't know if Melo Trimble will – will be sent to the Developmental League. Uh, oh, by the way, the Developmental League used to be called the, the D-League. It's now called the G-League. You guys know about this? No, no I, I knew it was the G-League. G I didn't know why, but I did see that. Oh, be because Gatorade is now the sponsor of the Developmental League. So it's G oh, for Gatorade G oh. League. Gotcha. Good yeah. for Gatorade. So if we so, would have I mean, been in the Section 336 League, if we would have stepped up to, to, to the plate, but we missed that opportunity. Yeah, Gatorade's got a little bit more, uh, I guess they have more finances than us, I would imagine. Maybe a little. I bet they're not doing three-way three calls for their, their, their meetings like, like we are in this low-budget three-way phone calls. I know. Please say we can be back in studio next week. This phone call sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back in studio next week. Hopefully we can hurt whatever fix Bert's computer, because Bert's going to be in Florida for a while, right, Bert? Yeah, I'm here until uh, July 28th, and then I'll meet you guys down in the Outer Banks. Yeah. Bert, you have any fun stories, fun interactions with O's fans? Have you been seeing any O's fans down there in Florida, in Disney World? Funny you should ask. Yes, there, there have been quite a few Orioles fans. I've seen people uh, always in uh, Orioles caps, Orioles T-shirts, even like Oriole bags, you know, like over their shoulders, carrying their gear around the theme parks. Um, and, you know, well, I haven't been wearing that much Orioles gear around here because honestly they stink, but. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> no, but what I do, you know, we, uh, we wore, my wife and I wore Orioles gear on our flight home from um, Nashville last Sunday, Nashville to Baltimore before we drove to Florida and we had people coming up and down the aisle of the airplane saying, oh, O's, you know. I was like, why? They're terrible. <laughs> uh, how about you, Josh? Up in... Florida's been good. Okay, good. Josh, how about you up in uh, New Jersey at a middle school camp? A lot of O's gear up in Jersey at the middle school camp? Well, yeah, because I'm at, I'm at, a, I'm at this middle school camp, but it's, all, it's a bunch of churches from the Baltimore area. So it's a bunch of uh, Oriole fans up here. A lot of Red Sox? Three, three, six, some three three sixers up here that are asking, and, and so yeah, every year I get the same questions, and this year it's more depressing questions of, of like the same topics we're having. So do Orioles sell? Uh, what's gonna? What are they gonna do? So it's uh, it's not as fun as it's been in previous years to be up here and talk about how exciting the Orioles are. Yeah, well, I think the next what the next three or four weeks are going to go a long way. To, to, to saying whether the Orioles should buy or sell. I think if right now, if you're definitive and you say they should absolutely sell, they should absolutely buy right now, I think you're an idiot. I think you have to wait three or four weeks 
then you make a decision and say, should the Orioles buy or sell? So these next three weeks or four weeks, this is crucial. This is going to set the direction of your entire franchise at least for the next two years, if not for the next 10 years, what happens in the next month. No pressure, Orioles. I, I am yeah, so I excited. I was just going to say, I am so excited for our 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 Outer Banks episodes coming up at the end of July because we are getting back together <laughs> just in time for the trade deadline. And it's either going to oh, be exciting. Oh, are we there throughout the trade excited. deadline? Is that when we're there? We, we arrive on July 31st, I believe, which is the same, oh, or maybe the 20, oh 29, 30, something like that, right at the trade deadline. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we're, we're going to be monitoring it, and we're either going to be really excited and doing some episodes about how we're excited for the, the next two months of baseball, or we're going to be talking about how much we're going to miss Manny Machado and uh, Jonathan Scope and Zach Britton. And, and what the team could look like Orioles. in 2022. Right, right. It could be. It, it, right. That, it's going to be a fun week of shows that's really going to uh, change, kind of set the pace for what Section 336 will be like for the next couple months. Yeah, and Matt, I uh, – like like you just said, it it is too early to determine buy or sell. We we have a few more weeks to see how it goes. I'm just leaning towards selling based on what I've seen over the last two months. Yeah, and I, I listen. I can't really argue with that because we haven't played really good ball. And I you can make a really good argument based on where we're rankings as far as ERA and runs scored. You can make a very good argument that we're pretty lucky to be sitting here at 500 and not a lot worse. So it's hard to disagree right. with you, but the next month will will go a long way in deciding the direction. And I'm looking at yeah, my calendar. I, uh, that that week we're all in the Outer Banks. If you guys are getting down there that Saturday, July 31st is the Monday, and that's when I'll be getting down there on Monday. So uh, you know, Josh, yeah, just have to have that podcast equipment ready to go. I'll plop in and let's talk trade deadline. Yeah, I think last year or a few years ago, we were down there during the trade deadline. And I remember as every, being kind of on pins and needles. And as soon as the Orioles made any type of move, we would hop on and uh, and do a, a special little recording. So I imagine we'll do the same. But this year, we'll be able to do it with Facebook and get uh, the fans' reactions to the Orioles selling away the future as well. I believe that was the yeah. infamous Gerardo Parra trade deadline. At <laughs> <laughs> the so. time, we were probably pretty excited for it. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, I remember sitting around all day waiting and watching MLB Network, waiting for them to do something big, and then we were kind of just, at least they finally did something. Yeah, and we ended up with uh, Travis Snyder 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, we're, we're not going to be in the running for any corner outfielders this year. We have the position covered. So hopefully no mediocre corner outfitters this year. Unless we're going to trade some. Yeah, trade away, but not adding those uh, yep. those tech players. All right, well, we'll be back in studio next week. Uh, it'll be Josh and I, maybe a third person, Josh. I don't know if you have anyone lined up for that, that third seat. Uh, Jim Kramer, he's going to bring in his buy and sell buttons. Okay, <laughs> perfect. I love those buttons. Bye, bye, bye. Uh, but uh, what this is hopefully the last time we'll do a phone call uh, in the history of Section 336. That's what I'm running for. <laughs> I agree with you. Props to any 336 ers who sat through this conference call. <laughs> <laughs> any time we have to do something like this, 
anytime we're all in different parts of the country or world, it reminds me and of the other podcasts that do this on a regular basis, and I don't know how they do it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's frustrating for the listener, I'm sure, but it's annoying for us too. Like it's annoying not not to be not to be in the same room with the people I'm talking to. Uh, it, it, it's it's annoying. So yeah, hopefully this is a one time thing. All right, so we'll get out of here. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at Section 336 Show uh, to find out who will be in studio with us next week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Section 336. You can follow Bert on Twitter at Bert Rohde. Then you can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Soroka. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, Go Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches. This is, I, I, uh, I winged it pretty good. I haven't watched an Orioles game since uh, that one we went to at Nets Park, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> 